He was a promising young leader, a gifted communicator, a spokesperson for God, and God's call came directly to him, that he was to leave the place where he was and he was supposed to go to another location. God even gave him a message to give to the people when he got there. God made it real clear that he had prepared him for this task. He'd given him all the skills and gifts and abilities that he would need. He'd given him the passion for the task that was in front of him. He'd even given him the location where he was supposed to go, the people that he was supposed to talk to, and the message that he was supposed to deliver. And yet in that moment, this young leader had a choice to make. Would he take what God had given to him and use it in the way that God had expected him to use it, or would he pursue a different path? God had given him everything he needed. God had given him a clear call. God had shown him what he wanted him to do, and now the choice was his. You'd think that a young leader, a spokesperson for God, equipped by God with a clear call from God, would go do exactly what God wanted them to do. But in fact, Jonah didn't do that. Jonah went down to the port, and instead of boarding the ship that God was piloting, Jonah bought a ticket and boarded another ship and went the exact opposite direction. See, God had a plan and pathway for Jonah to follow, but Jonah didn't want to follow that pathway because the people that God was asking him to go and speak to were people who hated Jonah. In fact, the people that Jonah was going to go speak to were people that if given the chance, they would kill Jonah. So you can kind of understand why Jonah didn't want to go the direction God was asking him to go because that direction was going to be hard. It was going to be challenging and it was going to be difficult but it was the direction God wanted him to go. Jonah didn't want to go that way. Jonah went the opposite direction. This morning, we're starting a brand new message series called The Blessed Life, and it's not a series about Jonah. You were kind of wondering, why did we read from Matthew, and now we're talking about Jonah? Because we like to keep you guessing here at Lakeview. That's why. This is not a series about Jonah. Jonah is a great biblical illustration, though, of what this series is all about. Because right at the core of this series that we're going to walk through over the next few weeks is a fundamental choice of life. And the fundamental choice of life is which direction will you go in life? See, when we get down right to the bottom of it, the the question is, are we going to align with God's plan and pathway for our lives, or are we going to go buy a ticket and board another ship and go the opposite direction? That's the fundamental choice of life. And right at the core of all of that is this kind of core issue. It's the issue of ownership. The issue of... Of ownership. Are you going to be in control of your own life? Are you going to be the one who decides where your life's going to go and, and who's going to be the pilot of your ship? Are you going to be the one that maintains that control? Or are you going to surrender ownership of your life and recognize that God is the owner and that you are going to surrender to his lordship and to his leadership in your life? That's the core issue of our lives. Who's in control? Who owns your life? See, there are two ships, and they're going in opposite directions. 
And the ship that takes you away from God's plan and God's pathway for your life is ownership. If you keep ownership of your life, if you decide that you're in control, that you're the captain of your own ship, that you're the Lord of your life, that you're the one who's going to guide and direct your own journey, that you're going to make decisions about how you're going to live and what you're going to do and what you're going to enjoy, and you're not going to recognize God as owner, then you are going to go away from God's plan, away from God's pathway, and you might have some fun along the way. I'm not going to lie to you. You go your own way, pursue pleasure, pursue whatever makes you happy, whatever brings fulfillment to you. You might have some fun along the way, but I will guarantee you this. You will never experience God's best, and you will never experience the blessed life that God has for you if you go your own direction. That's the ship of ownership. The good news is there's another ship, and it goes in exactly the direction we need to go, and that's stewardship. You see, when we recognize that we are not the owner of our lives, that that God is the owner of our lives, that he's the one who's in control, that he's the Lord, that he's the captain of the ship, then that allows us to be in our rightful place, not as owners, but as stewards. Steward is an old-fashioned word. It just means manager. It means that, that what you have in your life, who you are, and everything that you possess doesn't actually belong to you. Belongs to someone else, which means your job is not to be in control of what you own because you actually don't own anything. Your job is simply to manage what God has entrusted to your care. It's a completely different mindset. Instead of being in control, instead of being the captain of your own ship, instead of making all of your own decisions, you are instead stepping back to say, wait a minute, how does God want me to handle these resources? How does God want me to manage these things that he's entrusted to my care? How does God want me to function in this moment? What decision does God want me to make today? Two totally different mindsets. Two ships sailing in opposite direction. One of them will take you outside of God's plan and God's pathway for your life. The other will align you with God's plan and God's pathway. One leads away from God and the other leads right into the blessed life that God has for you. And so as we start this series... I assure you, the message is not done. That would be way too fast. But I do want to give you kind of a little altar call moment here as we start the series. And I want to ask you a question, and I want you to take just a moment to reflect on this question. Because I think it's the fundamental question of life. It's the question we're going to keep coming back to over and over and over again throughout this series. And so whether you're sitting here in this room or you're joining with us online today, I want to just remind you that the core question we must sit with and reflect on and answer today is this one. Which ship are you sailing? Which ship are you sailing? Are you trying to own your own life? Or are you recognizing that God owns your life and that you're just managing it in a way that honors him? It's a fundamental question of life. 
Which ship are you sailing? Now, I know that question may not resonate with you land lovers here in Indiana. Because there aren't a whole lot of ships that sail through these parts. But I grew up on the East Coast, and I spent lots and lots of Saturdays at the ocean watching ships go back and forth. And the direction of the ship chooses its destination. You got to get this question right. You got to get this question right. Because you choose a ship going away from God's plan for your life, and you're not going to end up experiencing what God has for you to experience. But you choose God's plan, God's pathway. You recognize him as owner and you surrender to him and you let him be the Lord. Man, it changes everything. It changes moment by moment, day by day, and it changes the destination where you're headed. It takes you right into the blessed life that God intends for you to live. So which ship are you sailing today? Ownership or stewardship? We're going to spend some time kind of revolving around that question through the month of November. And we're going to keep asking God to speak to us about what it means for us to be good stewards of everything that we have and everything that we are. Sometimes we hear the word stewardship and we automatically think, oh great, here's a series on money. And I promise you, we will talk about money, but I promise you that we're going to talk about a whole lot more than money. Because life consists of more than what is in your bank account. And it's not just managing the dollars that makes you a good steward. It's actually managing your whole life because God owns it all. Your time, your talents, your relationships, your stuff. Yes, he owns your money too, but that's just a part of it. And so we're going to spend this month talking about who is in control of your life and what does it mean to be a good steward. So what I want to do, I know we've already prayed in the service, but I want to pray and I want to ask God to speak to us, not just today, but throughout this series. So would you pray with me today? God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to be together today in your house. Whether we're physically here in this room or whether we're joining this service online, God, we are gathered together in your name and you are here in our midst. And God, as we open your word together over these next few moments, I just simply say, God, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, we're dealing with one of life's most fundamental choices. Will we own our own lives and go the direction we want to go, or will we recognize you as owner and become the stewards that you want us to be? So God, I pray that you would speak to us today in this service, but I also pray, God, that you would speak to us in the weeks ahead. And that God, for many of us in this room, I pray that this series in your word would be life-changing, trajectory-altering for our lives. 
Because God, at the end of the day, I want all of my brothers and sisters in this community of faith to experience every blessing that you have for us. I don't, wanna, I don't want us to miss out on anything that you have prepared for us. So God, help us today to board the right ship, to go in the right direction, and to experience all that you have for us. So Lord, we pray these things today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone who agreed said, amen. So Matthew chapter 25, we're going to dig into this passage of scripture. It's one of the key passages in the Bible that actually talks about stewardship. It's not the only passage, but it's one of the key passages. And I love this story because it's, a, it's an understandable story. It's a story it's easy for us to get a hold of. Jesus often told stories that were easy for us to get a hold of. Yet it's packed with all kinds of principles that will help us understand stewardship and begin to live as good stewards in our lives. So we're going to walk through this story and unpack some principles together. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells three stories all meant to tell us about the important, uh, importance of the kingdom of God and different aspects that we need to understand about the kingdom of God. And so the story that we're looking at this morning is the second passage, the second story in Matthew chapter 25. It's a story about a man, uh, the master of some servants, who's going to go away on a journey. And in verse 14, he says that he's going to go away on a journey. He calls his servants to himself. And as he gathers his servants together, he entrusts them with his property. That's what verse 14 says. I don't know if you underline in your Bible. I, I like to underline in mine. And, and uh, one of the things that I underlined a few weeks ago is those words, entrusted. And then I underlined his property. Because inherent in that first verse are a couple of important principles. The first principle being this, that the master owns the resources. The master owns the resources. When he calls the servants to himself and he gives them talents, which in their day was money, to one servant he gave five talents, to one servant he gave two talents, and to the other he gave one, the talents that he is giving to them do not belong to the servants. They belong to the master. The master owns the resources. So when we're talking about which ship we're going to board, remember, you can board the ship that, that, where you think you're the owner, and you can think that for the rest of your life, but you're not the owner. I just want to make that clear. Your belief about who owns the resources doesn't change who owns the resources, you okay out there? The master owns the resources, period. Really important for us to understand that important principle as it relates to understanding our role as stewards. Second principle from this verse. I told you this story's got lots of principles. We're in the first verse, we already have two. Second principle, possession is not ownership. Possession is not ownership. See, when the master gave the talents to the servants and they now have the talents in their possession, they still don't own the talents. 
The talents still belong to the master, even though the servants possess them. This is really, really important for us because throughout this series, we're going to talk about stuff that you possess. We're going to talk about your time. You get 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, plus an extra day on leap year. You get that time. You possess that. Your talents, your gifts, your strengths, your abilities, the skills that you've been able to develop, you possess those. Your money that's in your bank account, the home that you you live in, the, the car that you drive, the clothes that you're wearing, all of the stuff that somehow has found its way into your life, you possess that, but you don't own any of it. You don't own any of it because it's all owned by God. Because he's the creator of everything that is, and he's the owner of everything that is. We, we read it earlier in the service, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it. There's not a thing that you could, you could get your fingers on that you could say, God didn't make this. God doesn't own this. No, it all belongs to him. God owns it all, created it all, and everything holds together in him. The master owns the resources, and our possession of those resources does not make us owners. It actually just makes us stewards. Really important for us to understand that. Now, the story continues to unfold. The master entrusts the resources to the servants, five talents, two talents, one talent, and then the master goes away. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm going on a vacation, right? And while I'm gone, you guys take care of the resources. Now, the master has a clear agenda for the resources. He wants the resources to be employed to advance the master's purposes while he's away. Right? This is kind of just good business, right? I'm going to have my resources work for me while I'm not working. Right? That's how you start getting wealthy in life. Right? You get your resources to work for you even when you're not working. Right? Some of you wish you could not work and your resources would just magically make it happen for you, but it doesn't quite work that way for all of us. Right? But the master has this idea, this agenda, that he's going to go away and while he's away, he wants his resources to work while he's not working to produce a return for him. And so he leaves, entrusting the resources to his care. And this is where we come to the next principle of this passage. That as a steward, you have to decide how you're going to manage and invest the resources that have been entrusted to your care. The choice is yours. We know this because the three servants all have the same master, They have different amounts of resources, but the same resources from the same stockpile. And they've been commissioned to do the same thing. And yet, each servant does something different. The first two servants have a very similar strategy. Take what's been entrusted to their care and invest it to produce a return for the master. There's a sense in which they understand what the master really wants. That when the master returns, he wants to see a return on his investment. He wants to see that his resources have been able to accomplish something, to expand, to grow while he is away. 
The third servant recognizes that the master is the owner of the resources, but doesn't understand the master's agenda. He doesn't understand the master's purpose. So what does he do? He takes the resource, the one talent that's been entrusted to his care, and buries it in the ground, protects it, hoards it, keeps it safe. Now, why does he do this? He tells us later, because he knows the master's the owner, and he knows he has to give an account to the master, and he doesn't want to mess this up. So rather than invest it and risk losing it, he actually just hoarded it to protect it. Which is an important thing for us to understand, that you can recognize God as owner and still not do the right thing with the resource. Right? It sounds really spiritual to say we recognize God's the owner, but what God's looking for is not just people who recognize him as owner. He's looking for people who will recognize him as owner and then align with his agenda and use the resources to advance the master's agenda. You have decisions to make about what you're going to do with the things that you possess but don't own. Because that's what God entrusts you with, not just the resource, but with the decisions. This is why being a steward is such a critical thing for us to understand. Taking these resources, managing them well on behalf of the master, so that the master is honored by what we do with what he has given to us. The story continues to unfold. Now the master's back from his vacation. And he calls his servants to give an account. Again, good business, right? I had my resources working for me while I was away. Now I've come back. I want to know now, how did we do? How's business? The first servant comes and says, you gave me five. I put the five talents to work, and now I've got ten. This is a good day for the master, right? I mean, he's like, this is awesome. You doubled what I gave you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. Right? This is a good day, and you get to be a part of it. Let's celebrate together. Next guy comes. He was only given two talents, but he took those two talents and put them to work just like the guy with five. And he comes back now with double the talents. And the master's having a great day. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter into your master's happiness. Enjoy this celebration that we're going to have together. And then the third servant comes. And what did you do with the resources I've entrusted to your care? Well, I knew that you were a hard man. I knew that you were able to get resources even when you weren't working. You were able to, to harvest where you didn't even plant seeds. And because I was afraid of you, I buried what you gave me and did nothing with it. Does the master say, thank you for hedging my bets? Thank you for playing it safe. Thank you for not taking any risks. Thank you for not investing these resources. Does that what the master says? No. The master says, you wicked and lazy servant. Depart from me. We're going to have a party, but you get out of here. 
Because you didn't understand my agenda. You didn't understand what I wanted you to do with the resources that I entrusted to your care. Which brings me to the next principle, and it's this. Faithfulness is fruitfulness. Faithfulness is fruitfulness. You want to be faithful for God? Learn to take everything that he's entrusted to your care and invest it in such a way that it produces a return for the master's agenda. Use your time and your talents and your treasure in a way that builds the church, that expands the influence of God's kingdom and restores this world to everything God wants it to be. And if you're doing that, you will hear, well done and good and faithful servant. But if you take what God's given you and you waste it or you bury it in the ground and do nothing with it, God will not honor you if you have not honored him. It doesn't work that way. You have to understand, not just that God is owner, but that God has an agenda. And his agenda is to build his church in this world, to expand the influence of God's kingdom from here to everywhere, and to see this world restored to everything God intends for it to be. This is what God is doing in the world. And we as his people have been invited as his servants, as stewards of what he's entrusted to our care, to join with the master in what he's doing in the world. This is why stewardship matters. Stewardship doesn't matter because the church needs money to pay its bills. Stewardship doesn't matter because we need more volunteers to serve in the church. Stewardship matters because it is the fundamental issue facing the church today. Will God's people do what God has asked us to do? Will we understand that there is a bigger game going on in the world than just running our little church here? Will we understand that God wants to redeem and restore every part of his creation and make it everything that he has intended it to be and that we are the way that he gets that work done? Because once we recognize that, we will not be wondering, should I give 10% and is that on gross or net? We're gonna be saying, how can I give more? How can I find ways to free up more time, more talent, more resources so that the kingdom of God can grow and expand here and around the world? I love, I said last week in the Pastor Appreciation Spotlight, and some of you have given me a hard time because I like this movie, but I can't help it. Schindler's List has the best scene at the end. And it's exactly what I'm talking about today where Oscar Schindler says, this ring... Why do I still have this ring? I could have saved more lives if I'd have just been willing to sell this ring. This pen, if I'd have been willing to sell this pen, I could have saved more lives. You see, when we recognize not just that God is owner, but that God has an agenda and he's invited us into it, all of the sudden, everything in life changes. We stop saying, how can I get stuff for myself? And we start saying, how can I free up things so that God's work can advance? We have decisions to make about what's been entrusted to our care. And God's inviting us not just to show up. He's actually inviting us to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. 
to invest our time and our relationships and our talents and our gifts and our stuff and our money to see the kingdom of God grow and develop. This is what we've been asked to do. There's one more principle. And I gotta hurry. Because Kayla is just ringing in my brain right now. She's saying, these kids, socially distanced, can't handle more than an hour, Pastor Chris. So please finish on time. Verse 29, this is a principle that I, I've read this verse or this passage many, many times. I've preached on it before, but I, I really have not paid much attention to verse 29. But this is what it says. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Here is the principle that I think we need to see in verse 29. When you are faithful with the resources that God entrusts to your care, he actually entrusts you with more. Now, some of you are thinking in your mind, is our pastor going to start preaching now on like the prosperity gospel, right? And that's the right question you should ask. In a moment like this, you should have that question running through your brain. Where is he going with this? Because that's what it means to be a discerning follower of Christ. That we're testing what we hear from the scriptures. I want to just be really, really clear. The prosperity gospel, the gospel that says give and then God will make you rich. Give and you can drive a Range Rover. (laughs) Believe me, I wish it were true. It's just not true. The teaching of health, wealth, and prosperity is heretical. I just want to be real clear about that. It is a damaging teaching that has hurt so many people around the world. And I just want to be very, very clear. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. God does not ever ask us to give into his work so we can get stuff for ourselves. That kind of goes against the idea of stewardship. But when we decide to be faithful stewards, God looks at us as people that can be trusted as channels through which he can distribute resources so that his work can advance. So when you find yourself learning how to be faithful with the little that God has given you today, understand this, God will start to trust you with more because he sees you not as someone who's going to hoard the resources for selfish gain, but he starts to see you as somebody through which he can funnel time and energy and resources into the work that God's trying to do in the world. Luke 16.10, the one who has been faithful with little can be faithful with much. And God tends to trust people who have been faithful with little. He tends to give them more. Not for yourself. Not so you can advance your own name or, or become something great. God gives that to you so that you can be generous with it and sow it back in to the work that God is doing in the world. So I just want to be real clear. I'm not preaching a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, but I am preaching what I think Scripture teaches, that when God finds someone who's faithful, someone who's been fruitful for the kingdom of God, God tends to give you more responsibility in the kingdom of God because you're someone he can trust. You recognize him as owner and you understand his agenda. Now, earlier in this message, I asked you to consider the question, which ship are you sailing? I have a second question for you. 
And this question is, how will you steward the master's resources? How will you steward the master's resources? As I see it, there are three choices that you have. One, you can waste the resources. Right? Get on the ship that's going away from God's plan and pathway. Spend every bit of your time, talent, and treasure on yourself and just waste the resources. Now, I don't want any of you to do that. But I just have to be honest with you. That's a choice that you could make today. You could say, I just don't buy it. I'm just going to do what I want to do and go do it. And waste the resources that God's given to you. Secondly, you can do the slightly more spiritual thing and recognize God as owner, but then bury the resources. Say, you know, I understand, God. You're the master. You're the owner. You're the creator. I don't want to mess anything up. I'm just going to take what you've given me. I'm just going to hoard it. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to keep it right here. not going to do a single thing with it. You can make that choice as well. But the first two choices, neither one of them take you into the blessed life that God has for you to live. Because God doesn't want to just be recognized as owner. He actually wants you to line up with his agenda for the world. To manage and invest the resources so the master's agenda can be advanced. So I want to encourage you to choose the third choice. And the choir is going to come now. They're going to get ready to... Uh, lead us in a song that I think is going to help us uh, kind of come to this moment of commitment this morning. The third choice that we all have is to take everything that God's given to us, everything that we are and everything that we have, our time, talent, treasure, and invest it into the kingdom of God. This is what we're asked to do, invest the resources. And to do this, we have to recognize God as owner We have to see ourselves as stewards or managers of everything that God's given to us. And then we have to make strategic choices to take those resources and invest them in a way to produce a return for the kingdom of God. To see the church built, to see the kingdom expand, to see the world restored. This is what we're invited to do. How are you going to steward the master's resources? And then I just bring us back to the earlier question. Which ship are you sailing? Ownership or stewardship? Stewardship takes us right where God wants us to be. So as much as it's possible, I want to just plead with you this morning. Whether you've done this before or never done this before, I want to plead with you to just take your life, all of it, and surrender it to God. To say, I'm not buying a ticket to go on the ship in the opposite direction. I'm going to go the way God wants me to go. And I'm going to recognize him as owner. I'm going to become a steward. And I'm going to invest everything he's given me in the work that he's doing in the world. So I want to pray for you and then we're going to sing this psalm. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. You know today, God, that there's nothing that I want more for them than to know that each and every person in this community of faith is on the right ship, recognizing you as owner and Lord of their lives and surrendering every bit of who they are to you. 
So I pray today, God, in these closing moments of this service that we would find a way to take our lives, all that we are and all that we have, to lay them down on the altar and surrender them to you. So God, as we surrender, would you be honored by the offering that we bring to you today? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.